JJ here. Welcome or welcome back to the Art of Value. This is episode 28. It's the 16th of March 2022. So the last episode I did was actually back, way back in mid-October. So where I am, it's been summer. I've kind of, I don't know why I haven't done an episode for a long time. I've just uh, been, well, I guess I've been busy and it's been summer. So I've just, I've had a bit of a break. But I'm going to do some more this year, so call this the 2022 season of the Out of Value, I guess. And uh, what have I been doing? I'm going to try and make this a bit more personal than I did last time, a bit more casual. I don't know how long it's going to be. Let's just try this. So I, we've been, what, what I've, the main thing I've been doing, I have been, I have been doing work on stocks on companies but not just not recording a podcast and I've been watching the market as usual. But in the rest of my life, I've actually, we've started building a house. So that's been, it's a major project that has been taking a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of thoughts. Uh, it's a, it's a heck of a time to build a house basic, you know, for, for a number of reasons, the pandemic, when we started, that was, where I am, there was kind of a lockdown going on. Essential services were okay, and built, construction was part of that. But you know, supply chain issues were like, you know, talking about inflation. We've been bearing the brunt of of that and seeing what's happening. Uh, I'm in Aotearoa, New Zealand, so we have a number of issues that are not. If you're listening from the United States, for instance. It's quite different here. We have a, we've had a, I think it's been a, I think it is a bubble in the housing market. So that's added to things. And I I kind of don't say that lightly. It's been going on for years and it's, I think it's just, it's one of the most expensive places in the world. But we have been, we've, you know, we had, we've been living, it's a rebuild. So we've been living in the house it was not a good house, bit of a dump, but we always thought we'd rebuild. But we were living there for five years before we did. So we knocked it down and now we're rebuilding. So in by Christmas is the proverbial uh, saying. and But I don't know if that'll be the case, but that would be long. It'll be over a year. So hopefully before that, but it's going well. Anyway, so that's been taking a lot of my thoughts and energy but I have been carrying on as usual with investing in the stock market. So Leah last but last October, I think just looking back over back over the episodes, I was in the last few episodes I was talking I was talking about Jeremy Grantham's bubble theory and since then super bubble theory called it I've seen various things and I was questioning whether that was playing out and it's it's interesting to have this gap because obviously what's happened since he he was correct in saying I think that there was a bubble. Well, I'm not sure about the whole bubble, and I'm interested to see how it plays out. But going back to February 2021, I mean I was the market was got you really euphoric for innovation stocks and the arc type stocks back in late 2020 and even from mid 2020 and that I think that was that was definitely a bubble um, 
and but it's since then we're over a year we're over a, just over a year later and some of those stocks have just been absolutely devastated all of them and arc is down more than 50 percent a lot of those stocks have round tripped of course back to pre-pandemic levels so that whole that whole year that whole bubble's just been wiped down some of them not the case in the the ev i did this episode called the ev bubble uh, i have to listen to it again see what i said i might do that sometime but Tesla's still very expensive. It's come down, well, it's about 40% down now, but it got to the heights of 12, um, over 12, 12.43, I think was the peak. But it'll be interesting to see if that continues down. I think Rivian and those kind of stocks are still expensive, even though they've come down a lot. So the bubble's still playing out there, I think. It remains to be seen how high Tesla will stay, whether it will continue up. I mean, the company itself is doing very well. But this, these other other companies that kind of form the bubble, the what is it? The the innovators, the imitators, and the idiots, as the saying goes. I think it was a Buffett who first said that. I don't know, but you know that we had that situation where Tesla's the innovator. The company's doing incredibly well, but now there's in the macro situation where we have inflation now, interest rates are on the rise, and a lot of people just did not see either of those things coming. They believed the Fed when the Fed said inflation was transi- trans- transitory, uh, and of course it's sticking around and remains to be seen what happens, but interest rates seem to be on the rise. And the market is adjusting accordingly, so those growth especially emerging growth, innovation growth, the younger companies just just been devastated. And I mean, I have some of those actually have been buying. I'll talk about my portfolio later to see what's been happening since then. Been a few movements, but not a lot. If anything, I've cut down. I was getting concerned that I had too many stocks and I I do want to have a more concentrated portfolio or reasonably, I just, uh, what does that Peter Lynch say? I never throw a stock I didn't like. So it's, you know, in last year, I mean, I did get caught up in the FOMO a little bit, even though I'm a value investor, I suppose. Even though it wasn't super expensive, it's probably more expensive than, than I would have liked, obviously. Um, obviously, when you see my portfolio, but I'm not concerned. I'm actually pretty comfortable where, where it's at. But definitely, the macro environment's so different to what it was in 2020 just um or even a year ago so different we're in that uh where even the mega cap tech stocks were kind of quite richly valued i think and you know look look what's happened to facebook and netflix and i mean a lot of these uh, even those ones apple's down a little bit they're all down a little bit but we're not in a we're not in an s p 500 bear market but we are we have touched the nasdaq bear market of you know, technically down 20%, and the Russell 2000 is, so the Russell 2000 and the Nasdaq, two markets that are in bear market, and that's actually where I've kind of hit my focus, because like the Russell 2000, the small cap stocks, that's that's what I've kind of been more interested in from the point of view of, uh, there's more there's potentially more upside over the long term in small stocks, and, um, and of course, then there's, or in the NASDAQ, seems, you know, a lot, I don't know, I can't remember what the stats are, but 
it's like approaching half or more of stocks down more than 40 or 50 percent is it i can't remember but something quite astonishing so below this even though the s p 500 was not even down there was devastation going on below the surface for a long time all of last year and it's finally you know this year started to hit hit the main indexes really the s p and especially the nasdaq mega caps uh it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with tesla in particular i think but um the other ones too we're in facebook wow uh, netflix wow i mean it's just i don't own any of those um However, I do own a couple of Chinese stocks, tech stocks, but in China, I, Alibaba is the, the biggest overall that I that I have, and that's because I, I never really wanted to own well, small caps in, in China. I just honestly, I'm not sure if I can trust the numbers, and, you know, that it's just kind of easy not knowing the culture but you know uh and there's charming manga bought alibaba of course and and i own that as well it'll be interesting to see what if he buys more he has bought more quarter by quarter i'm kind of substantially down but i'm willing to wait it out in fact i'm massively down in alibaba 64 percent right now and pdd pendoldo i'm down 70 percent so ideally, it would have been better to wait. I mean, I don't regret buying those Chinese stocks. It's, it represents about 20% of the portfolio. So people keep saying it's a disaster, it's a dumpster fire, China, get out. You know, it's turning back to, or, you know, like it's going backwards. And But we'll see. I mean, I tend to think that the U.S. market's been expensive. And as I said, some of those tech, some of the U.S. tech stocks have been devastated even more down down 50 to down to 90 percent some of these emerging tech stocks uh, a lot of them and i have some of those too i still own stitch picks which has just been absolutely devastated and on the face of it, it looks cheap growth i mean their last earnings growth wasn't um the the outlook while they're trying to get their their new freestyle uh offer or it's what do you call it their new freestyle service together testing things in their they've cut marketing but you know this these are big drops 71 percent down that and uh pindoldo 70 percent i mean but overall current portfolio oh i can't because it's into sorry i can't give you an overall figure right now because it's in two different brokers so that doesn't make much sense but uh amorous i still have a position which is small cap biotech synthetic biology stock i've added to that position and that's down 50 percent. but these are the and that's been devastated too in the whole sector has just been totally bombed out biotech genomics but i like that company in the last earnings report was, was really good um they're, they're doing really well in the the revenue starting to come in i don't want to talk about two individually companies i can do that later but um 
Um, overall, I'm not down too much. One's, let, me, let me talk. The Spotify is also down 47%, which I've been adding to. I've been adding to these things as they've been dropping. Um, so less and less cash to invest. And, you know, ideally I would have liked to wait, but wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all the time be like that when things become cheaper? So Spotify is the other one that I have a lot of conviction in. Um, and by the way, I've bought some of these for my kids, started the kids' portfolio, and they're, they're, they're doing much better than I am because they, their entry point was later. Um, so they're doing, doing quite well, even in, even though, you know, um, they have these kinds of stocks. But for them, you know, tech over the long term, I'm thinking 20 years ahead or more, um, trying to buy companies that will do well over the next two decades or so, which is good to think about for me as well. You know, just to really think about that and act on it. So Spotify, I still like, and I've been adding to that, but I'm 47% down. So the average cost is 2.36, which is a bit high, and it's now 1.23. So uh, my allocation's high enough, but I wish I so I just had to wait that out. But the ones that are doing, that are actually up now, and kind of um. Uh, sort of contrarian or the rotation in the market from tech to other things but I mean Nelnet is a tech stock, small tech stock but they have a value orientation the CEO founder there's definitely if you can tell by his shareholder letters that he is this definitely has a value bent and in Omaha no not Omaha sorry I'm in Nebraska Lincoln Nebraska so just down the road from Buffett and uh, they are doing well. I won't go into two minute money. I won't go into detail there, but I'm liking that's up at the moment. It's up thirteen percent. And Markel, which is the of course a baby Berkshire. I don't. I sold Berkshire actually, even though it's been doing really well. I decided that I didn't want to have. I've got Markel and Berkshire. I had, and I sold Berkshire at when it uh, while not long ago, and. Uh, you know, made a profit out of that as it came as as it swung up from in this rotation that we've been having sort of out of tech. And but I've decided to go for Markel, which is the baby Berkshire, much lower market cap. So I think you know over time, I mean Charlie and Warren are not going to be around Berkshire, and I'm sure it'll be fine. They've built it as an absolute fortress and. Todd and Ted and the others there will, I think, will do well. It'll be fine over the long term after they're gone, but I think Markel, for me in particular, thinking about concentrating my portfolio, I'm going with Markel, and that's up 31%. It's doing well like Berkshire is, and um, I'm happy with it. 32% it's fluctuated, but and then there's Micron, which I'm keeping, one of my biggest cap stocks and I think you know uh, for the long term that'll do well too it's 61 at the moment it's been as high as 100 so it's come down and since I started this this portfolio which isn't that long ago you know I haven't had this this portfolio for a long time so these are kind of all relatively early positions over the last few years so that's that so that's 11 1 2 3 4 5 6 one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine.
that's nine positions in that portfolio. There's one more that I didn't talk about that I've just started recently is Block, Square slash Block. I've been following Jack Dorsey's work for a long time. I was on Twitter really early, not in the investing account that I associate with this podcast, but in, in a, another personal one that I've had for many years. Uh, so in t- 2007 I started, but I never bought the shares. Um, and uh, but I've been I do think Jack Dorsey's one of the you know the entrepreneurs of his generation, and uh, I think Block is a is a superior business to to Twitter, or the what Mark Zuckerberg said about clown car falling into a gold mine. But so the second business. Well, I don't think that's true, but this, I see they're ramping up advertising on Twitter. I'm, I was getting a, an ad every five tweets the other day. I don't know if they're testing that or that's... I just noticed that. That's a lot. So we'll see, but I, I didn't buy Twitter. I almost did because I, I researched it and I liked it, but I'm kind of glad I didn't at the moment because it it hasn't actually been doing as well as I as I thought when I did that analysis. They're not... Don't still don't seem to be executing that well, but I haven't really been following it that closely. So Block is my fintech company, and uh, it covers they cover a lot of ground, and I I I like it for the future, and I bought it for my kids too. Um, and I but it was always too expensive during that time of in twenty twenty. It was just so expensive I couldn't do it, and just. And I thought I'd never be, perhaps never be able to, but it's come down so much, like around a hundred dollars and under a hundred dollars, and that's good enough for me. Uh, so I think I've talked about everything in that portfolio now. So I have under twenty stocks, which, you know, ideally I kind of over time like to just have ten, at around ten percent each or so, you know that. Concentrated. I mean, it is hard to follow even twenty. I know people have more than that, but the reason that I do have twenty is because I'm in. I've talked about the U.S. cannabis sector, which I'm still keen on, even though I spent all last year going down. I've been adding to that. It's kind of it's almost forty percent of my portfolio, and I'm prepared to wait on this now. Over time, there's legislation coming. They're they're trading on the OTC market. Um, they're getting bigger. They're doing well. The fundamentals are really good, and it's inc- it's amazing that the fundamentals have been have been doing well. Yet, because it's mostly retail investors, have been sell- It's been heavily sold off, just like the Arctux type stocks. But I've managed, as I've been averaging down, I've managed to. They're all down for me, but because uh, I was buying those throughout last year and this year, but you know some of them. Like uh, tw- 25% down. Um, let me just have a look. So, yeah, 25% down to 30% down, and some of them are more. I've got one, two, three, four, five. So, five, a basket of five, and uh, they may not all work out well, but some of them will, and I've been sort of adding to the ones that I think are better over time as I've been doing more and more research. But I've kind of got hundreds of hours into it by now into the sector. So 
even if one if one has a has a home run over the next ten years, that'll be fine. But I think there might be more. So I'll tell you, I've got Verano. That's kind of my top allocation. Air Wellness, which I was that was one of my first ones, and um, that was Liberty, and I owned Liberty Health too, and they acquired Liberty Health, so that's kind of turned into quite a big allocation. Cresco Labs, which has been one of the ones that hasn't been done doing great in terms of share price, but I'm still okay with it. Uh, Green Thumb Industries, that's a new new position. I've never, like the um, the multiples were a bit high for me, I thought it was a bit expensive until very recently, and now that's, I've uh, entered that position. I'm happy about that because I think it's, it's uh, got good management and good quality. And Glasshouse Brands, which is... A smaller, a smaller, very small company in California. I've talked about it in other podcasts. Still like it, and that was, that was heavily, heavily hit, and I've been adding to that, but it's still down um, significantly, like forty percent. But I'm okay with it. I mean, um, I'm, okay, I'm okay with all these things being down because I think that over the long run, over the long term, obviously you'd like to get as low as possible. And uh, these have been heavily hit, like other emerging growth. And but that's the uh, the fundamentals of the sector, in particular companies are good. And just long term, the right legislation, safe banking, I should will eventually happen. Uh, I don't know the timeline on it. I'm willing to wait as a long term thing, and I think it will work out well. That's why I've pretty much got forty percent in that sector now. Um, I'm happy with that, even though I do. No one likes to see things go down a lot. But as Charlie Munger has said, if you're not willing to see your investment go down 50%, you deserve the mediocre returns that you will get. And I think he was talking about, I thought he mentioned like three times a century or something like that. But, you know, with small companies, the volatility has been huge, and I've seen a lot of new investors who poured money in during 2020 in particular to those tech stocks are really uh, getting quite disillusioned. Even in the last few days, just that last, not last yesterday, but the day before, was it uh, that you could see a lot of the retail favourites, re- retail favourite stocks, favourite YouTube stocks, they were really hardly, um, badly hit. And this is after they're like down 75, 80%. And so... It's capitulation, retail investor capitulation. Um, after this whole diamond hands thing, it's not it's not paper hands because they were down so so much already. But this capitulation happening, I think. So I don't know if we're near a bottom or not. You know, as I said, there's there's um, a bear market in the Russell 2000 and Nasdaq, but who knows? You know. Could go down eighty percent in like nineteen twenty nine. Who knows what? I mean, Jeremy Grantham could be right. It could be a massive bubble and it all could fall apart. But you know, I've been putting money into the market more so than you know for a while because we're in a bear market and some of these things have just been devastated. And I'm down, but I'm okay with it. Uh, and uh, so, so that's that. And there are a few other ones I'm still holding on to. An Australian stock called Advanced. They've changed their name to Advanced Sync Tech, which makes sunscreen. And they've had a bad, they've had a rough time because of COVID lockdowns and 
the main market is America. They have plans to. It's a micro cap. They have plans to list in the US. I'm just sitting on that. Um, and it's it's nice to diversify into it in Australia a little bit. I have sold some, like I said, Berkshire. What else? Um, can't remember right now. I have to. I have to look and tell you later. And I'm trying to cut as I'm trying to cut down so to add to. Um, I don't want to cut the flowers and water the weeds, so to speak. Just add to the winners and cut cut anything that's obviously not working. But it's it's early days, so I want to give them a chance. That one's got a long term over for years, so I'm just going to let that ride. Another one is the Topicus, Topicus, which is Canadian. I mean, Constellation Software's offshoot, uh, but European. Obviously, Europe's had a tough time, so that's gone down, but. Still positive in that, which is really quite surprising. Only just, but um, uh, I thought that was that that got caught up in the kind of tech bubble. Really, you could think about it. Not that it was a bubble, but there was not a lot to go on apart from that it was a constellation and um, constellation software offshoot. And um, I just the same business model, similar management, and one of the best uh, capital allocators of. You know, over the last last decade, so I'm going to stick with that too. These are these are kind of small positions. Well, that's a small position, but I will add to that if it gets really cheap. I'd like to, and just stick with that. There's a good chance that could be a multi bagger over time. We'll see how it works out. I mean, so you know, as a value investor, I if you think on the stocks that I own, I, I own a lot of smaller growth stocks for being a value investor, and that's because I'm not a I'm not a traditional value investor, and the more that I the more that I learn, the more I'm more I'm interested in growth. It's just it's always been a question of how much to pay for that growth. And when I when I was at Columbia Business School doing their value investing course, you know there's a, a section on how they value growth, and it's pretty it's it is pretty conservative in how it's done, um, and I've uh, learned things from other places too and come up with my own kind of way of value and growth or assessing growth. And the textbook at the school was Value Investing from Graham to Buffett and Beyond by Bruce Greenwald and uh, Judd Kahn. So it's, it's a really good book and, and the, the whole thing's good. But I've also read things like, you know, Terry Smith's Investing for Growth. Just look at my books here. Uh, which, you know, he's he... He's quite critical of, of traditional value investing, and he's done well over the last, over the bull market really. But um, sort of, you know, in articles he's talked about the the UK's next Warren Buffett kind of thing, and he's done very well. I've also been reading things about bubbles. The, one of the books that I've read recent that I've just read is called Boom and Bust by William Quinn. And J. John D. Turner it goes through some historical bu- bubbles, and it's excellent, excellent book. It goes right back. It doesn't go to the tulips because it talks about how that it was actually the fact that the tulip mania wasn't really it wasn't really a bubble. It was it's kind of it's a, a myth about a lot of things that happen there. So they start with South Sea bubble and Mississippi bubble, and they talk about the Great Railway Mania and the bicycle bubble. 
of the UK bicycle bubble, which is technology bubble, um, Japan, and uh, subprime so it came out last year, so no, 2020. And they talk about how the conditions were ripe, kind of ripe for a bubble when they were writing the book again. Anyway, it's an excellent book. I'll talk about it another time. I'm kind of rambling here, but I haven't done a podcast for a long time, and I'm just thinking about talking about things that I've done just to catch up. I also read Peter Lynch's went up on Wall Street again, and I bought a copy for the kids. Um, whenever they decide to pick that up because it's an accessible book and it's always a good read. Uh, what else have I been reading? Oh, one more is uh, Competition Demystified. I'm still reading that. It's uh, quite a dense book and that's also by, it was recommended during the course I did through Columbia Business School. Uh, it's again by Bruce Greenwood and Judd Khan called Competition Demystified, a radically simplified approach to business strategy. It's really about um, competitive advantages or moats. The whole book is on that and it's, it really is excellent. Because, you know, it's I think it's just it's the number one thing. It's the number one thing to, to really look at, I think, when you're analyzing a company. If it doesn't have a competitive advantage, forget about it. If it's got, if it's got a like in as well as growth, you know that if it's got a motor merging competitive advantage emerging if it you know if it's doing that even early on and it's got a founder c e o with with a lot of skin in the game who owns a bit of the company a lot of the company good size a good amount of the company and it's got a competitive advantage then that's uh it's um, really worth digging into. So, a whole book to read a whole book on that and study case case studies from a while ago. And Bruce Greenwood, Professor Bruce Greenwood, has retired now. As um, the one, I think the one kind of mistake he made was shorting Amazon for a long time. He kind of says he he joked on a podcast I saw about losing more money on that than something than you've ever invested in your lifetime I don't know somebody but like he was I think he was short for a long time he was so sure and during that course that was one of the case studies and it was interesting to see how they valued growth and I mean I think they got it wrong so it's good to that was part of the part of the education um that I mean I like the way that they approach uh value and growth but I mean I think they got it wrong <laughs> well the, you know it's, and it's interesting to think how they got it wrong how he got it wrong I mean who am I to question Bruce Greenwell but I'm just saying like he, he obviously got that wrong there was something there that he didn't see what was it so you know perhaps I can talk, think about that another time um, I think it's something to do with there's a lot to do with the fly, the the much talked about flywheel effect in Amazon Prime. How well, I think I mean Nick Sleep got it got it right, obviously. And it's I think it's instructive to think about what he how he saw it, where it was similar to Costco shared economy scaled, which is you know um, the efficiencies. Or giving back to the customer, making it cheap and getting market share and 
um, and building that way and uh, building to a huge, huge company. And uh, so, that, you know, that's a, it's an interesting way of thinking about growth rather than from a value, completely value perspective. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about that with these companies that I've been buying and analysing because they're early on, they're not, you can't use traditional value metrics for some of them. You know, there's no turn on invested capital, return on capital employees. It's not there yet. There might, there might be gross margin, good gross margin, the operating margin. Uh, you know, you, you can't, there's some of these things that's out there. So, I mean, people like Warren Buffett wouldn't touch it because um, he likes to see like at least 10 years history and, uh, and even Terry Smith, you know, he's, Terry Smith says these companies that he invested in have already won. So in the Fund Smith Fund, they're already big companies and they've already got the metrics of high gross margins, high operating margins. Um, and uh, a, a high return on capital employed. I mean, these things are very high for all of them. That's their criteria. And so these companies have already won, but they're generally old. A lot of them are like over 100 years old. But it's interesting to see their smaller fund that's, that uh, invests in small and mid-cap companies. Smithson. I'm interested to see the companies that they've invested in. I don't have a list here. Perhaps I can talk about that another time. I might have already. I think I might have done a podcast on Terry Smith. But I keep tabs on what they've been buying in that Smithson fund because it you know, they are interesting to see why. And then when you look at them, they do have that, the criteria that they talk about of high return on capital employed. Or other metrics that you can see they're going, they're, they're aiming towards it. The growth in, growth in revenue and, gro and the growth in return on invested capital where they, the, the company, they've got good capital allocators there and they're doing a good job. But what do I know? Okay, I think that's all enough for today. That's a bit of a catch-up on what I've been doing and what I've been thinking and uh, what's happening the rest of my life, building the house. And, um, yeah, on the best, I'm in, in the financial part of my life anyway. And uh, just remember that I'm not a financial advisor. Nothing I've said here you should take as any kind of advice. I'm just talking to myself as much as you, obviously, just to work through my own thoughts and ideas. It's always been like that. Continue to be like that. Do your own research and analysis. Don't buy anything based on stocks based on what I say here. I could be wrong. And clearly, given the portfolio at the moment, it could be well be the case. But I'm, just, I'm not concerned about it. One thing I, I just I do wish that I had kind of waited longer is... Uh, as you do as a value investor, waited longer to start buying some of these things that are that are well down. Um, you know, one more thing that I might say is about China. I mean, it's well down. It's, they're going through a crash, really. It's I mean, the, the Hang Seng Index is down what forty percent, and then compare that to the S and P five hundred or the Nasdaq, it's down a lot more. And so the there are I don't want to talk about that in this podcast, but some people hate it. Some people like it. I heard a podcast yesterday uh, by, by um, is it William Green, who wrote 
um, Richard Wise the Happy, or is that the name of the book? I can't remember now, but he's doing that podcast for the, the, um, the Investing Podcast Network, whatever it's called. And he did an interview with uh, Howard Marks, and Howard Marks was talking about the current situation, and he said that he's interested in, he's become interested in investing in China while others are running away at the moment. The fact that everybody's running away, he said he made his ears prick up, and, um, you know, the reasons that he, he's investing are those ones that it's the second biggest economy in the world. It, um, it's probably going to be the biggest at some stage, and other people say they're going back to communism, they're closing down, President Xi's just going backwards and they're going to regulate these companies out of existence and and the the share price is kind of like that um so all doom and gloom and so how marx sees that as an opportunity rather than in classical contrary contrarian value investor fashion but it's also interesting that he's thinking in a similar way to me i think what i found interesting was he's a during the lockdown of the pandemic he was talking to his son about who's, who invests, kind of a growth investor in a different way. And they had long conversations about it, and he has shifted his position on thinking about growth, you know, and he was talking about missing out on Amazon because his mindset was so strict on traditional kind of value. And now he's changed his position, and he's sort of opened up to, to thinking about growth in a different way. I think younger value investors do that. When I was at Columbia, there were a lot of younger investors doing that course who were looking at technology. And uh, I think will emerge in this way that, I mean, Warren and Charlie have have changed. Well, I mean, Charlie did change Warren's position on instead of buying 50 cent dollars thinking about a reason good companies at a reasonable price so when you add high not even high growth just really and just good growth um thinking about what you might pay for it uh for the future growth if it's obvious that it's growing and it's a good company paying up for growth but then if we as we've seen in the last year, you can pay way too much for growth, and that can really hurt. And I've experienced that myself. But uh, well, they'll come back if they don't. If some of these don't come back, Stitch Fix in particular is a question mark. I still like it. I'm still sticking with them, but it may be one that doesn't. Um, I just I'm still not sure about the new management. I wasn't happy that Katrina Lake. Uh, stepped aside and there's a question mark over whether new management can execute are they executing but they might still I mean and so I'm willing to stick with that but you know if it, if some don't work out and others do over time add to the winners cut the losers but get, I'm giving it time I'm not being rash about it I've made my decision I've researched it thoroughly um, so we'll see See how we go. All right. I think that's all for now. See you next time. I will not leave it so long in between sessions. I'm going to start doing it regularly again for 2022. And it's a very interesting time in the market uh, as we head into a semi-bear market in some of the 
indices in the US and the world situation is precarious and there's a lot of pessimism around but I I just think myself that it's probably a good time to it's not advice but I think it's a good time to to look at things and be buying if we're going into a bear market and even if it's extended we'll see all right see you next time thanks Thank you.